0: Father, we just want to thank you so much for this time spent praising your name. We want to thank you for who you are once again, Lord. We want to acknowledge you in each and everything. We thank you for being able to just sing praise and worship to you here this morning, Lord. I pray that your spirit would move during this service. Father, I pray that you just open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, we thank you so much for each and every blessing we thank you for, for the trials. We thank you for the things that shape us into who you've called us to be. We're so thankful for dying on the cross for our sins. And so, Lord Jesus, we just want to acknowledge you in each and everything that we do here this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. It's good to have the youth up here uh, praising Jesus in the mornings. Amen. Can we give them a little bit of praise? Um, I, I'm pretty excited. This, this was my niece up here singing. Um, not Tucker, but Noelle, you know. She, no, I, I appreciate both of them. They they have such talents, and they're using them for the Lord's glory. And so that is something that we should uh, definitely give praise about, is that people using their abilities and talents to worship and praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're going to be looking uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, one part in the Sermon on the Mount uh, called the Beatitudes. Uh, You all have probably heard the Beatitudes a million times uh, in your walk with Christ. Maybe you've never heard them. But uh, I want to kind of give, I don't want to say my interpretation, but I want to kind of give the way I look at the Beatitudes, and it may come from a fresh perspective. Uh, we teach the Beatitudes every single week on Friday nights at Celebrate Recovery. It's what the entire ministry is based off of, is this kind of ladder-rung approach to the Beatitudes. Um, I don't believe that the Beatitudes were set up in just some kind of random order. I believe that they were uh, kind of in line, one step above the next. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. Um, I want to give some context behind the script um but before i get too far in uh, i want to hit the timeout button and and acknowledge i did injure myself a couple weeks ago uh, i had surgery i will be okay i appreciate more than you can understand the amount of prayers that have came towards me and my family uh, during these times i just it, it it it's just incredible and i thank you this the support from a church family is just unlike anything I've experienced in life elsewhere. And so I do want to thank you for that. I will make a full recovery. Don't worry about it. Um, but the continued prayers are definitely appreciated. Now, untime out or unpause, whatever we may, may be doing here. Um, so I want to give some context. Uh, Jesus is, is towards the beginning of his ministry of, of going around collecting disciples. He gets his disciples, and then he goes on this mission all throughout uh, Jerusalem, Galilee, and, and all this area. At one point in his ministry, he begins to heal people. He begins to slowly reveal who he is. Now, Jesus, being God in the flesh, doesn't just randomly do anything. I believe that every single thing he did was for a purpose. I believe every moment in your life, whenever you acknowledge Jesus in it, can be used for a purpose and for something special. And Jesus went around and he began to heal many people all at once. Thousands of people. And so he had this massive following and he decided to lead all of them onto uh, this, this mountainside. And we get this sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, how many of you have heard of the Sermon on the Mount? How many of you have never heard of the Sermon on the Mount? That's good. That's good. So, we have all ranges here this morning. So, we're going to be taking a a little sneak peek at just the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and I believe the Beatitudes set up the rest of the sermon, and I believe the Beatitudes set up the progression that we should be taking our entire lives as Christians. So if you would please, out of the respect for the reading of the Word of God, stand, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, remember Jesus was healing many people, the multitudes, thousands of people before him. He went up on a mountain and he was seated Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for, your, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the reading of his word, and you all may have a seat. Um, So I believe that the Beatitudes are set up, as I was explaining earlier, like a ladder. It's like a ladder of development for sanctification. Now, sanctification is this big fancy word for the growth of your Christian life. We call it recovery on Friday nights. Once you surrender to Jesus, you begin your long path to recovery. Once you surrender to Jesus, he begins to sanctify you and build you up into the person he has called you to be. Now, I hope this picture doesn't offend anybody, but I, I like to kind of relate things like this to familiar things. And so I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going to have them play a picture right here. Um, I found this, this is called the nine stages of life. It goes from newborn all the way to elderly. And to kind of help us remember this ladder of progression of sanctification in the Beatitudes, I'm going to be using this as an analogy the entire time going through the Beatitudes. And so uh, I believe that we can kind of relate to any of these. Uh, some of you have some newborns. Some of you have some teenagers. Some of you are, are elderly. Some of you are middle-aged. Any stage in life, we're kind of familiar with the way things are going. We understand what each moment in life should be like. And so we're going to use this as kind of a, um, I don't want to say a guide, but something to kind of remember the Beatitudes by. And so uh, we're going to read the first three. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the first point I want to make, um, this first stage, the first three, and I could break these down into each one, but for time's sake, we're going to break three into the first stage. It's kind of like newborn toddler. And I'll explain this further, but we're looking at foundational development. We're looking at focusing on how we grow becoming a Christian. It always confused me for the longest time, Whenever I read, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because we are a material civilization. We think rich, 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 and we're blessed. So it was really confusing whenever Jesus said, Blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. I always thought, Well, wouldn't you want to be like rich in spirit? Like, even if you don't have a lot of money, like, Blessed are you if you're rich in spirit, right? So I had to kind of dig deeper to understand what that meant. And Scripture tells us that whenever we're non-believers, our spirit is actually dead. So it's not even that we're poor in spirit, we are dead in spirit. We don't have any currency. Whenever we surrender our lives to Jesus, whenever we we repent, acknowledge who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for our sins and that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. We're made alive in Christ. And much like the parable of the mustard seed, where a little bit of faith turns into this big plant, it takes a little bit of spiritual currency to get that started. So when you're poor in spirit, it doesn't make much sense to me unless this is starting off in step one. Step one is to get right with the Lord. And you may be poor in spirit, but that's going to be wealthy in the grand scheme of things for eternity. And listen to what it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Once you surrender your life to Jesus... That's the first point. That's the first. You are a baby in Jesus. And what happens when you're a baby? You cannot take care of yourself in a sense. You have to completely rely on the power of Jesus and you have to rely on the people who are willing to invest and pour into your life. As you begin to to grow a little bit in your faith, and I'm not saying this is the same timeline, every analogy breaks down somewhere, and so the the, the nine stages of life analogy will break down. I can't, I can't keep it going for very long. But whenever you're a baby, you need milk. You need to be spoon-fed. As you continue to grow, you can be, be fed more solid foods. In that same way, we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes in order. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I was confused with this as well, because I know that there, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. There's a time for mourning, right? And, and we can mourn the loss of, of loved ones. And I think that's appropriate to read that in the context, but I also believe that we should be mourning for our sin and for our brokenness. And I believe that as we progress in the Beatitudes, as we progress in our life stages as a Christian, I believe that God is going to awaken in us a, a sort of a drawing to Let go of the sin of the past to lay it down at his feet and to ask for forgiveness. Uh, In Celebrate Recovery, uh, we begin to make an inventory of all the darkness of our past so that Jesus can shine light on it. And I believe that that has to happen. You have to be healed from your past to begin to grow. And I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in phase one because we've never truly surrendered our past, our sin. And one of the things we love to do is celebrate recovery. Every other week, we play a testimony of a saved life, a changed life. Somebody who acknowledges Jesus, mourns for their sin, turns it over to him, and begins to be changed by the Lord. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're beginning to see that as we surrender to Jesus, as we mourn for our sin, he begins to shape us into something else. We begin to be more like him. And meek is not to be confused with weak. Jesus was meek, but he was by no means weak. Jesus was meek, and so should we. And we can see that that much like an infant growing into who God has called them to be, much like an infant who needs spoon-fed and needs the the pure milk, can grow on to to become uh, older. And that brings us to the second stages. I'm going to read the next three Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The first stage of life, it's kind of all about me, 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 right? You all have toddlers running around at times. You all have seen them. Um, they're kind of all about them, and really, you, it should be that way. Whenever you're a baby Christian, you should you should be all about growth it shouldn't be me 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 like I'm building up myself but God please change me please grow me please strengthen me please give me a hunger and a desire for you and your word and for people who are going to build me up instead of tearing me down but once we get to the second stage number two the middle stages of the Beatitudes we see that it kind of encompasses a little bit older right the the preteen through young adult how many of you have preteens in your house I'm sorry I'm sorry. <laughs> Preteen through young adult. They're all about relational development. They're all about how they relate to others. I have, I have somebody in intermediate school, a, a child in intermediate, and a child in middle school right now, and they're learning who they are. They're growing. They're trying to figure out where they fit in in life. They're focused on the relationships with others. They're finding their friend groups. They're actually beginning to perform the work God has placed in their life if we're looking at this in a spiritual sense. Once we get out of that first stage, the baby stage, the toddler stage where we're beginning to find who we are, we can get to the middle stages. And like I said, this this doesn't necessarily have to take place on a huge time scale. You're, you're, You're looking at a person who is an atheist. I was a tree trimmer. I had no qualifications for this other than I love the Lord and I allowed him to shape my life. That's all for his glory. And and God can shape you and change you to the degree in which you allow him to move and work in your life. And God is going to begin to place a calling on your life at this stage. He might have even implanted the moment that you were saved. I don't talk about this often, but... um, I don't know if you all knew this, but I'm, I'm introverted. I'm like, not a people person. Uh, God has changed that in my life. But as soon as I was saved, I knew that I would be preaching one day. And it confused me. It, it really did. Because I, I, I just kept thinking of my own inadequacies. And I kept thinking of my own weaknesses. I don't want to speak in public. I don't like speaking in front of five people, let alone 300 people. God, you've picked the wrong person, you've you've done the wrong thing, but you and I both know that God doesn't make mistakes like that. And so through my weakness, I had to rely on Jesus more than ever. Instead of being built up on pride, I was built up on humility and struggling every time I was faced with a new task, and I had to allow God to work in me. And God placed a calling on my life that I am so thankful for. And grateful for, and so, whenever we read this, we see that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You're starting to, you're starting to come outside of yourself and your self-growth and your self-focus and you're beginning to see things aren't right in the world. Things are going wrong. Things are evil when they should be good. People are confusing good with evil and evil with good. And I see it and I want to do something about it. But I recognize that people are sinful. So, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Whenever you can see somebody who is not a believer, who is not a Christian, and you can have mercy on them, I believe that's the Spirit of God drawing you to that. Because they shouldn't be held by the same standards that we are as Christians. Because they're broken and undone in their sin, and they need Jesus. And as hard as it is to go through life with Jesus in your life, imagine going through life without Jesus. We have to have mercy on those who do not know the Lord. And we can obtain mercy through that. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We begin to see the work God has called us to. And I believe, you can argue with me if you want, if you are a saved Christian, God has a mission and a ministry for you. God has called you to him for a specific purpose. As you grow in your faith, you'll begin to discover that purpose. Sometimes God uses the natural talents that he blessed you with for his purpose. It may just be that you're, you're working, but you show the Lord so much in your life that people are coming to salvation through you. Whether it's at your job, your friend group, whatever it may be, God has called you to a specific ministry. And I believe it's at this stage that you begin to figure out who or what you need to do. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Imagine that. It uses this analogy. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I was in the first three steps of the Beatitudes. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We have to grow in our faith. We have to grow in who we are. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians is talking about whenever he was a newborn he, he, he spoke like a newborn. He spoke as a child. But as he grew, he grew in his faith. He saw in a mirror dimly. But eventually he will see clearly face to face. And I want to make a point before I read the next scripture. Um, many Christians do not develop past the first stage. I, I'm, I'm just going to say that. I know that might offend some people. Um, I'm kind of being nice with that. I, would, I probably should have put most Christians in the United States do not develop past the first stage. That may offend some of you, um, but that's just kind of what I believe. I think what happens a lot of the times is we surrender our lives to Jesus, and then we just fill a pew for the rest of our lives. We don't study the Word of God. We don't allow it to wash over us and change us. Instead... We have our arms crossed. We know God has called us to something, but somebody else is doing it, so we're just going to let them do it. Even though God may not have called that other person, maybe they just feel obligated because you weren't fulfilling your calling. Maybe you can hear the Word of God for a lifetime and never truly change who you are. You all have heard the 20% rule, right? 20% of the people in the church do most of the work. Have you heard that? That's about right for churches, but it actually follows a, um, a distribution pattern that's known, and, and I'll get into this just briefly, but it's known as the Pareto distribution. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but basically you can look at just about any area, whether it's money, whether it's businesses, whether it's churches, whether it's how things accumulate in the galaxy or how plants grow, they all follow this kind of line of distribution, and uh, I like to use the analogy, it's like Monopoly. Have you all ever played Monopoly? Some of you? You ever heard of Monopoly? Yeah, okay. So Monopoly, everybody starts out with the same amount of money, right? And then you do these trades, and they're all random. Like, you can, you can kind of pick what you want to do, but, but very quickly, the game progresses, and people start, like, dropping out at zero, right? You start losing money. And before long, like, one person has, like, all the money, Right? And then the game ends. Well, that follows just about anything. You could take a survey of this entire room, and and you might look at, you know, how many people have more than ten thousand dollars in their bank account, and it'll it'll follow the same line. And they call it the twenty percent rule, but really it's worse than that. Um, You take the square root of however many people you have. Say we have three hundred and fifty people in our congregation. Take the square root of that. It's like 18.7 18.7 people doing the majority of the work. Do you know that? It just happens. It happens in companies. If you all own a company, you may be like, yeah, that sounds about right, you know, or anything like that. But I believe that the church should be different. The church should break that law. If we have everybody who is committed to following in their walk with Jesus, if we allow Jesus to shape who we are, every single person, we'll, we'll make up one entire body. The the hand is different from the foot, and the foot is different from the eye, and it's all Everything has to work together to make one body. And imagine what we could do if instead of the square root of all the members did half the work, imagine if 100% of everybody was just in line with the will of God, following what God has called them to do. Because remember, God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. And if we all did that, imagine what would happen. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You need to go, like, instead of being teachers, instead of being the the middle age or the late age, you're still in the first age of the Beatitudes, right? And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the author of Hebrews here is also saying, there's a progression in your faith. It is okay to be in your faith when you're a baby. But babies need to grow. Babies need the, the, the milk at first, and as they develop as Christians, as they read the Word of God, and it begins to change who they are, then they can grow and fulfill the calling that God has placed in their life. But instead of you, who should be teachers, instead of growing, you're right back to square one. It's just solidifying the point. I, don't, I think most Christians in the United States just don't go past the first set of Beatitudes. And this, this passage in Hebrews gets us to the final stage. But solid foods belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And we see here the final three Beatitudes are this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the final stage, number three. The final stage of the Beatitudes is the middle-aged adult to the elderly. It is a lifetime of growing closer to God through learning about His Scriptures, memorizing the Scriptures, sharing the Scriptures with others whenever they're, they're falling on hard times, working for the Lord, not for themselves, but fulfilling the mission that God has placed on their lives. A lifetime of that and a lifetime of spiritual faith. Whenever trials and tribulations have tried to tear them down, whenever Satan has tried to tear them down, but God had a better purpose for them, they have a lifetime of faith in building that up, and they're able to share that with those who are younger in Christ than them. They have the wisdom from a godly perspective instead of a worldly perspective. If I need to... um, fix something on my car, I can go to a mechanic. He may not know anything about Jesus, but he can tell me about his car, about my car. He's, he's the expert. In the same way, if, if we're going through something in life, we're not going to turn to a babe in Christ to help us through. We're going to turn to somebody who has a lifetime of wisdom. These are the people that I seek out whenever, whenever I'm going through trials and I can't understand where to go or, or what has God has for me. I turn to people who are, who are stable structures in my life, who are going to build me up with godly wisdom and who are not going to be afraid to speak truth to me, to, to people who are not going to give me a worldly perspective, but who are going to give me a godly perspective. And that is something that has to be built up over a lifetime of faith and trust in Jesus. I believe that these people become peacemakers. Because they see from eternity's perspective. They see that that life's too short and precious and there needs to be peace and they shall be called sons of God. They're also at a point in their lives where they're so strong in their faith that they can be persecuted and endure and survive through it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those that revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They will be figures of of strong faith, pillars of faith in communities. God has this in mind for everybody. God wants you to grow in your faith. God wants to build you up. He's not here to just tear you down. And if you feel like that's what you've been going through in life, like you've just been torn down and tore down and tore down, that's that's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that when you suffer trials, you grow in your faith. You become stronger because you have to rely on him. And I don't know what you're going through here this morning. Maybe life is great. Be a pillar to somebody who's going through trials. And if you're going through trials, find somebody who is a pillar in the church who you know are going to give you godly wisdom, spiritual wisdom instead of material wisdom. Seek those people out and just absorb all you can from Scripture, from their experience, from the way they've walked their walk with Christ and grow in your faith. I want to leave you with a scripture and a question. Um, Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has set a race before each and every one of us, And and we're racing not to receive a worldly crown or worldly recognition, but a spiritual crown. And we all have this race set before us. So let us lay aside the sins that ensnare us. Let us lay aside all the weight that ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the calling that God has placed on each and every one of your lives and my life. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For we consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I want to make this point again. Maybe you have been called to a particular ministry. Maybe you know God has drawn you to a place And you feel inadequate. And you feel like you do not have the right equipment to fulfill the calling that God has on your life. And I just want to tell you, that is a lie from Satan. Because God doesn't always equip those, doesn't always call those who are fully equipped for the ministry, but God will equip you if he's called you into the ministry. And so whatever it is that you think you feel inadequate about doing, or you know that God has placed a calling on your life, and you've refused to surrender, I would tell you to lay aside that sin. Satan has talked you into something evil, and you need to be doing the calling that God has called on your life. Let me ask you this, and we'll close in a word of prayer. Where would you put yourself on the ladder of Beatitudes? We saw the nine stages of life. Where would you place yourself on that ladder? I'm not I'm not preaching through this to make anybody feel guilty or feel bad. What I want to see is everybody fulfill their calling in Christ Jesus because it's all for His glory. And I believe that we can see in our generation the Great Commission fulfilled whenever we are all surrendered and we all have this plan and purpose and we just know what it is and we follow it and run the race set before us without the sin ensnaring us. So if you all would, please stand. We're going to have a time of reflection. And I want you to ask yourself that. Where would you put yourself on the ladder of the Beatitudes? Father, we want to come before you today, Lord, acknowledging you and your supremacy over the entire universe. You've conquered death and the grave, you are of infinite power and wisdom. And Lord, that same power can be made alive through each and every one of us. But Lord, many of us are just wasting the opportunity. We're going throughout life filled with material possession and we never acknowledge you. Or we acknowledge you so little that it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And so Father, I pray that hearts would be changed, lives would be changed, and we would surrender to You and Your will for our lives. That we would grow in the knowledge of Your Scripture and who You are. That You would forgive us of our sins and we could just bring those before You. That in our weakness, Your strength would be made apparent. And that we could surrender to the calling that You've had placed on our lives. And Father, we thank You for the trials because You're building us up and You're testing our faith. We thank You for the blessings of life, Lord, and I pray, Father, that through everything, we could just surrender to you and who you are. Where are we at on the Beatitudes? Are we, are we still babies whenever we're supposed to be growing up? Father, I pray that you'd give us the strength to come out of that. Lord, are, are we in that position to be the final stage, the pillars, the elderly, the lifetime of, of hearing from you, yet we're not investing in anybody? Father, I pray that wouldn't be the case. I pray that you would open up doorways so that we could just learn and grow, not for our glory, but for yours. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word here this morning. May you bring clarity to all those who listen. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We should be back on schedule to have the baptisms next week, and so we are looking forward to that. Um, Unless there are any other announcements, please pray for all those who are sick and hurting, um, but we will be dismissed in a word of prayer.